Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. I'm sorry it's been so long. I got really sick at the beginning of March and lost my voice up until maybe about three or four days ago. Uh, there's a lot that has happened since then. Uh, a lot of things I want to get to. Some new stuff and then rehashing some old stuff. So let's just get right into it. First thing that I want to talk about today is virtual jury duty. So I had to serve virtual jury duty uh, last Tuesday, and it was the weirdest experience I have ever had because nobody was taking it seriously. So you, you get this Zoom invite, you jump into the Zoom invite, and it's just a bunch of people sitting with their cameras on. It almost looks like what I imagine school looked like during the pandemic. Some people are paying attention as the uh, county clerk comes on and tries to explain what jury duty is, but then some people are just messing around. Like there was a lady who was getting her hair done and nobody said anything for about the first 20 minutes or so. And then finally the county clerk goes, ma'am, are you getting your hair done? And she kind of looks at the screen. The hairdresser kind of points to her, like points to the screen and she taps her little unmutes herself and goes, uh, can I just be dismissed? Now, there was a language barrier. I believe this woman was Vietnamese. Um, and so it was done, you know, with with the um, proper accent uh, that I will not do because I don't need to be canceled. Uh, but it was very funny because the county clerk comes back, says, no, no, you can't just be excused. You need a valid reason. And she just goes, I don't want to be here. <laughs> and I felt like she spoke for everybody at that point because the like assignment, the, I want to say the call time, which goes to show you that I'm still a filthy theater kid at heart. Uh, the start time for this was nine o'clock. And this conversation is taking place at 945. It took 45 minutes for people to just jump into the Zoom and the first directions that were given were to change your name to your last name, first initial, and your badge number um, that you get from your little juror badge. And of course, nobody could get it done who was over the age of 40. They just kept spamming the chat uh, saying, how do I get credit for being here? Uh, when will I get paid? Which was terrific. But uh, I'm sitting there able to do this because I'm computer literate. And uh, I notice about 15 minutes in, someone just starts painting all over the directions uh, because I guess you can do like screen share. They were screen sharing the directions and someone's just drawing on it. And so it's, it's you know, it's it was just complete pandemonium. And then about hour after waiting, they say, oh, the case that you all were supposed to judge on, it's been like thrown out basically. So you can all be dismissed. So in a way I got to serve jury duty, uh, by not doing anything, just signing into a zoom call. So that was pretty great. I also want to mention that, uh, I am running off of two hours of sleep. Uh, this is the day after St. Patrick's day. Um, I love St. Patrick's day cause it's the one time the Americans think about the Irish for anything. And it's, it's a very self-serving holiday. It's just, Hey, this is our excuse to drink this weekend as if we needed excuses to drink every weekend. 
Um, unfortunately, I have been waking up at like four o'clock every day. Uh, just my circadian rhythm is just pinging me to wake up at four every day. So uh, when I got home from the bars uh, at two, I woke up again at four and couldn't go back to sleep. So if uh, I'm extra off the ball today, uh, that could be what it is. Uh, also, I had never really been up for 22 hours straight because the night before or the day before, rather, I had woken up again at four in the morning. So four in the morning to two uh, a.m., uh, which was a really insane experience. Um, definitely don't ever want to do that again. So uh, wouldn't recommend it. But uh, yeah, virtual jury duty. I can't say that jury duty. Virtual jury duty was um, a riot. Great time. Uh, very funny, very funny entertainment and uh, didn't have to uh, go into the office that day. So, you know, uh, praise Jesus. Um, one of the big things I wanted to tackle today is uh, in my free time, I have been really obsessing over um, the internet conversation about dating and relationships. And I am super interested in this because I feel like everyone in the conversation is not saying anything that is really helpful. And what I mean by that is on one side, you have what's called the manosphere. And my understanding of what the manosphere is, is a movement of men who have decided that traditional relationships are no longer serving them and they are um, only going to use women as tools for sexual exploitation and self-gratification. Now, this is obviously horrible. And their reasons for doing so really kind of boil down to the fact that women have their own opinions and are going to want to have a partner who is going somewhere. So a lot of these guys that are in a capitalist society, you would consider losers. They're not, they're not generating a lot of money. Um, they're not particularly attractive. Uh, they're not particularly charming. Uh, they're all just kind of circle jerking and talking shit about women because they won't sleep with them. But the women are not incentivized to sleep with them if all they're going to do is sit around on the internet and complain all day. So it makes perfect sense that they're not interested. Um, a big reason why they are saying that they are they don't even have a chance in the dating market is because women are only interested in like the top 1% of men. Uh, they, they call it, uh, the internet term for it is called a Chad. So a Chad would be uh, a man who makes over six figures, is over six feet tall, and um, is, you know, reasonably attractive. Fair enough. You want what you want. Um, on the same token, they, the, meaning the, the, the men in the manosphere, the MGTOW men, they also only want women that are, you know, big boobs, big butt, um, uh, sexually enthusiastic, 
uh, it's, and I believe they call that a Stacy. So for me, it's, it's funny that they, they're complaining that women have high standards and then they themselves have high standards. And most of the arguments about why they are justifiably angry, uh, is because I guess they're allowed to have standards and the women are not supposed to have standards. They're just supposed to take what they can get. It's a very strange, strange conversation going on on the internet. And, uh, I, I just, I can't stop. It's like watching a train wreck. I just, I, I'm some, some people like to watch the ID channel. Uh, my dad likes to watch plane crashes, uh, and, and like boat crashes and gym fails. Uh, and I like, I like watching young people complain about how they can't get laid. I, I guess what I'm saying is everybody's got their vice. Um, one of the big things to come out of this whole conversation is a podcast out of Santa Barbara by a guy named Brian Atlas. He made a podcast called whatever. And on the podcast, he has like OnlyFans models and a lot of, uh, college students, uh, all female usually, um, on his podcast. He'll have like eight or nine guests and they kind of talk about, um, this kind of stuff, relationship dynamics and evolutionary psychology when it relates to men and women and shit. And, um, what's so weird is like, he's, it's like, he wants to be Andrew Tate, but he is so quiet. I I wanted to say submissive, but he's not submissive. He's also not very combative. So he like attempts to gaslight girls um in the conversation and 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 the women just like run right over him and he ends up losing a lot of these exchanges um and 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 worse than all of that he's just a very boring host the the clips that come out of the whatever podcast are are pretty interesting and engaging um but the podcast runs for like three hours and he only gets about five minutes of anything worth watching, which I was really surprised to see because I went into it thinking that the whole thing was going to be as interesting as the clips were. And uh, I was absolutely wrong. Uh, a lot of this content is kind of a slog where he's just like, you, you want to date a guy who's like six feet tall, huh? And the girl will be like, I would date a shorter guy. And he's like, no, you wouldn't. That's like not true. And she's like, yeah, it is true. I will do that. And you're probably bored at this point in my podcast now. And that's how I felt listening to that podcast is like, this is, it's like listening in on children on a playground, uh, just bantering about really stupid, stupid stuff. Um, so I don't recommend it, uh, unless you want to look at pretty girls. Cause he does get uh, very attractive guests on there, uh, but they don't say anything. They don't tend to say anything interesting. Um, and I don't mean to say that the women are stupid and don't say anything interesting. He doesn't set up any interesting premises for interesting conversation. And I, I'm just surprised that it is as popular as it is because I think it's kind of a trash podcast. Um, but of course, if they ever wanted me on as a guest, I would absolutely do it. Uh, good podcast to listen to. 
I recently discovered a podcast episode that came out last year by Your Mom's House, which is a podcast uh, by Tom Segura and Christina Pazitsky. They're both uh, a married stand-up couple. And they had Andrew Tate on episode 636. Uh, and it was the funniest two hours I had ever listened to. I listened to it this morning and I audibly laughed out loud multiple times, which I do not do even in most comedy podcasts. Um, I was so entertained by how absurd and bombastic Andrew Tate's public persona is. Uh, it is a shame that there are people who believe him because especially if you listen to that interview, I feel that it is absolutely like a performance piece. It's a character and it is, it is hilarious. I also feel the same way about Alex Jones. Uh, I think a lot of what he does is just like a provocateur and uh, it's not, it's a grift. I think they're both grifters. Um, but I love grifters. I think, America is a big grift and we need to have our grifters. I, I stand with Tim Dillon on that. I, I, I love it when people are up to uh, obviously no good and people don't understand that these folks are just saying whatever they can to, you know, get clicks and make a buck. Uh, I find it hilarious. I totally thought that I was done talking about Justin Roiland, but uh, I'm not. And so this is going to be a follow-up to, I think it is episode eight. I know I had named the episode Roiland, Delia, and Harmon. Um, this is a part two for the Justin Roiland piece because since we last talked about it, a lot has come out about how he was at Adult Swim when working on Rick and Morty. And I think it really elucidates some of the points I was trying to make in that podcast that I didn't have the data um, or for uh, or the evidence for, not data, um, to support what, what I was saying. Um, so if, if you don't remember, uh, I was making the claim that uh, both uh, Crystalia and Justin Roiland are very silly guys. Uh, they have very immature humor. And it's funny. I love it. it it's It's... It's my type of humor. I like wit. I can like really wit, witty and intellectual humor. And then I also just like people being so absurdly silly. Uh, Eric Andre is a guy who the Eric Andre show was fantastic. I loved it so, so much. Um, that kind of stuff was, is, is some of my favorite types of comedy. Um, but I think with that psychologically for you to be that, that type of funny, you also need to have some, uh, maturity issues uh they, they kind of have like a childlikeness about them and if you think about it through that frame of mind that they have a childlike brain it, it it makes sense to me that they would also be attracted to people that are younger does that make it okay absolutely not i'm not saying that it's okay i'm just trying to armchair psychoanalyze these guys because i'm one completely not qualified to do so and two, I have the ability because I live in a first world country to afford broadcasting equipment and just say how I feel and put it on the Internet. Um, that is a beautiful thing. And I am going to exercise my rights. OK, that's what I'm going to do. So. When Justin was. 
uh, first brought into, well, I guess when he and Dan first originally started the project, um, the first season was mostly written by guys from Channel 101, which was, uh, I guess, a short animated film festival that happened in LA. These guys venerated Justin Roiland. Uh, they thought he was the greatest thing to slice bread. And Dan brings uh, Justin on to play, you know, Rick and Morty. And they have this crazy writer's room, uh, all male writer's room for the first two seasons. And it's described by everybody as this really beautiful and interesting uh, time to be there. Everyone's having a lot of fun. They're producing really great comedy. It's the highest grossing franchise. Uh, if not yet, it becomes the highest grossing franchise for Adult Swim of all time. It's like a billion dollar franchise. And that is, I believe, billion with a B. I could be wrong about that. Um, but that's what I've heard on the internet. And uh, I believe it to be true. It's season three, they start to get a lot of pressure. Uh, I guess really, really mid season two, they begin to have a lot of pressure for not having any female writers on staff. So Dan for season three brings in a lot of writers from his last show community. And what is described by people who work there is that like the tone changed in the writer's room and Justin became very reclusive because he was no longer, um, uh, worshipped like he was a lot of these guys kind of worship dan's vision and, and dan is a big planner he's a very methodical guy a very thoughtful guy justin roiland seems to be again like this overgrown child who was brilliant at uh generating uh ideas improvisationally which really lends to the show's comedy but when it comes to structuring an episode or having a strong thematic uh through line through a season that's all dan Harmon putting that work in uh, and that's the guys that Dan is bringing on. So Justin begins to act out as, as I would imagine, like a 16-year-old CEO of a company would. So what they were saying was, one, the female writers, he couldn't be around them. He couldn't, he, he was just really inappropriate with them. Um, he started doing things that was really um, detrimental to the workflow, like bringing in Riley Reed, the the famous porn star, to come check it out. She had Kanye there. He treated it like... Uh, like a like a he just almost like the the tech CEOs. It sounds like when they're doing a lot of shit that's not really productive, but like gets a lot of traction uh, and and makes their company seem cool. It just seemed like Justin wasn't really working. He was just really just doing the voices for Rick and Morty, and then going to Comic Con and taking all the credit for um the show's success. While Dan and all the other guys were really working, and because they got super annoyed with him being in the writers' room, because when he was there, he would just say stupid shit that wasn't helpful. Um, he began to stop going to the writer's room altogether. Uh, he would drive a little RC car around with a microphone so he could listen in on what everyone was saying uh, because he believed that everyone was, you know, talking shit about him. And, and this all just sounds like a guy who was just not mentally there. So when it comes to him reaching out and trying to text younger girls, it, I think it's one of two things or it's both. One, Regardless of how rich he is from that show, women his age cannot stand him because if you look at the text messages, he doesn't know how he has no game. He has no riz. He is a very awkward, strange, nerdy guy. So women his own age probably are not interested in talking to him. So he starts talking to these younger girls who uh, the power dynamic is now in his favor uh, again, which is not okay. I'm not condoning this. I am simply trying to understand it 
and maybe, you know, shed some light on what might be going on. Again, I am totally not qualified to have these opinions. This is just what I am, what I've been thinking about and, and what I'm sharing with you guys. Um, I have a bachelor's degree in philosophy, so, uh, I can assure you I'm not qualified to talk about anything that I talk about on this podcast. So do not think of me as any sort of authority on any of this. I'm just spitballing. I'm just, you know, off the cuff, just sharing with you guys what, what I think. Uh, so don't come at me and you can't cancel me because I'm not famous yet. Yet. But I think that's what's going on. I think that Justin Roiland is immature and probably could only get younger girls to try to sleep with him. So the question of if he's attracted to them or if it's all he can get, I don't know. It could be either. It could be one or the other. And in any case, I find it interesting. I find it really interesting for people to want to do that, to be interested and try to make advances on younger people because the risk is so high just from a like legality standpoint. And I get that. Like I, I have a very uh, low risk tolerance. I think I'm, I'm pretty, um, I hate to say this word cause I don't mean it politically, but I'm a pretty conservative person. I, I try to, uh, I, I'm pretty, pretty tight with my money. I don't really, um, I don't take a lot of risks unless I've really thought about it and can calculate it out and I feel like safe in it. Um, and I get that other people are probably much bigger risk takers, but to me, the, the idea of trying to do that, it's just so, it's so detrimental if you're caught that I don't understand why people would do it just from that standpoint alone. So it leads me to believe that it has to be out of either necessity or arrogance. And it could be either one. He could be thinking, I am the face of this thing. I'm the voice of this thing. No one can ever do anything to me. I think there's a lot of that in Hollywood. I think there's a lot of they, you achieve this astronomical level of success and you see how the law no longer applies to you. Um, Andrew Tate talks about that all the time, why he was living in Romania is because he said it was so corrupt that he could just pay off anybody who didn't, you know, uh, who tried to stop him from doing what he wanted. Um, so it could be that it could absolutely be arrogance. Um, I, I think in the case of the Justin Roiland thing, uh, even in the Crystalia thing, because they talk a lot about in the documentary on YouTube about how he wanted to control these women. He wanted to know their um, locations all the time. It, it, it's definitely predatory. Let's start there. In, in both cases, these men are predators and are taking advantage of easy prey. But in the case of Justin Roiland, I wonder if there was even a chance to really date women his own age because Given how immature he seemed to be handling everything, I would imagine that most women his age would not even want to be with him, despite the fact that he's very, very rich. Now, Crystalia, he seems charming and funny and able to interact with adults. For him, I think it's a different thing. I, I think uh, I think he is a sex addict. I believe he went to like sex rehab. Um, and so who knows? Maybe he'll have like a Russell Brand style uh 
comeback. Um, but yeah, I uh, just after finding out about all the weird stuff that went on at Adult Swim uh, with the coworkers, it 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 reaffirmed my thought that Justin Justin has like man child syndrome, and to me, it makes perfect sense that a man child would be interested in younger women because mentally they might be closer to the same place and i'll say it for the fourth time not none of that makes that okay but that's just what's been on my mind so i will be checking in with you all more regularly now that i'm feeling better uh i appreciate the patience and um if you haven't Yet, I highly recommend checking out that episode 636 of Your Mom's House. Uh, the interview with Andrew Tate starts about two hours in, and it goes for about two hours. It is, it is, it is so funny. Um, if you have to go through virtual jury duty, I, I'm so sorry for you. It's, uh, it's absurd that that's okay, uh, as acceptable as our like judicial system. And... Uh, yeah, I have no idea what's coming down the pipeline. Uh, the next thing that's going to catch my interest. Um, so, yeah, that's all I got this time. See you all the next time I get around to doing this.